Hey, do you like what we do, but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out Kid that he was in, that's in fucking Weston, Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that that asshole Ringing Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chipman Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chipman have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me this week is... It's me, bitches! Slagathor! <laughs> I, I have no words. I knew you were here because we're recording together, and somehow I'm always caught off guard. How are you doing, Slagathor? Um, besides terrible drivers... I'm okay. Good to know. <laughs> All right, let's... Don't be a terrible driver. Sorry, I had to say that. I'm just really angry. I almost got in a car accident because some stupid person was probably coked out of their mind and came at me at like 90 miles an hour in like a 35, and yes, it was fun. Okay, guys. Came at you. Patrick... Well, he did. He just came out of fucking nowhere and just barely missed hitting the back of my car. I know, I followed. Just came at you implies like he was he did. abrupted out of some, you know, alleyway looking to fight you. He was. He came out of nowhere. The town behind me was clear. And then I got to the, you know, on the outskirts and all of a sudden, bam, he was there. Okay. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> this is the quality content we bring Slagathar on for. You know you love it. I... No comment. Anyways, <laughs> on to our patron sound off. The people who, you know, support us because they enjoy our content. And because they like me. <laughs> in exchange, we read off their names at the start of every podcast. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vell, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donna Lucy, Nathan Willis, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, and Derek Takade. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode means a dollar a month, means early access to all our content and so much more. All right. Now, if you're new here, welcome. This will be a fun, interesting first episode. If you're a bit more familiar, you know that we typically bring Slagathor on for only a handful of reasons, typically related <laughs> to horror because well it isn't axel's bag it is slagathor's yes and she's very opinionated and you guys do seem to love her opinions on it yes. so 
we're going to tackle that difficult topic, we'll call it, that Slagathor loves oh so much, Elevated Whore. Oh, fuck. I forgot that we were doing this one. <laughs> yes, let's talk Elevated Whore, guys. What do we think about it? Yeah, yeah. No comments? Good. Let's move on. <laughs> well, first, because I know you're going to have the most opinions on it, how do you define Elevated Whore? I, in all seriousness, it's kind of hard for me to explain because I'm trying not to think of, like, a dickish way to say it. And all I really can say about it, honestly, is, you know, all the jokes and stuff that are already made out of there. It's it's almost like highbrow horror. Like, it's trying to be artsy and trying to be something edgy and different and, like, subtle but not subtle and... You know, it's very much, look at the context we're throwing at you, but don't look at the context we're throwing at you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, this very much kind of falls in line. We did a whole other episode talking about the nebulous nature of horror and how it's a genre. It's very hard to define because there's so much that exists under the broad umbrella of horror. And, you know, where does thriller fits in there and yeah. what are what defines horror. And I would argue elevated horror is kind of like this new genre that's come onto the scene Mm. that really has divided horror fans for a multitude of reasons. I think it's really only divided like maybe 35 out of 100%. You know, like there's there's a good chunk handful. And in that chunk of handful, there's an even smaller chunk of handful of people that just absolutely love it could probably jizz all over it and it would, you know, make their day. And then there's the people that just like me in bad horror. I can watch it and enjoy it. And I and I have no nothing against those that can sit there and enjoy it. But to me, I feel like you're wasting so much potential. We'll, we'll circle back around it because I'm going to try and give my definition, like the more academic, I guess, quote unquote, <laughs> definition of... What, what is elevated horror? And it more has come out of a response of how certain critics are viewing it versus the label it's given itself. Mm-hmm. Like, elevated horror really seems to start with, you know, critics when they said, well, this is more than just your basic run-of-the-mill slashers. There's grander ideas at stake, which is, I think, a total disservice to horror as a genre because horror has always been about deeper other subtext and other stuff going on not just what's on the screen okay so i i have googled some things because i wanted to know what other people out there call elevated horror and stuff and i will tell you right now the one thing and then i saw an article that i'm going to click on right after i get to it so i can read it but um it kind of made me laugh a little so to google and the internet elevated horror is essentially a subgenre which relies on dramatic elements and overarching themes instead of your popular gore fest and slasher scares yeah, so that already feels like a huge, which is kind of the problem that elevated horror has within the horror genre. But to say all horror is this basic slasher gore fest, because I mean, some of your favorite movies fall within this range of elevated horror. Your It Follows, your The Witch, your Midsummer, your Hereditary, basically everything that A24 is putting out. And I'm not going to knock it. If that's your thing, great that's cool but i think we have talked at length we did not like 
the witch, the witch, the witch. No, it was confusing. Uh, that's it. We'll get into that. Uh, I liked Midsummer and Hereditary more than you did, but I would not put them on the whore pedestal. You do not like the Babadook, which is also listed in... No, I... Okay, so I kind of waffle back and forth on it. I don't know. Overall, I didn't like it, but I liked themes of it. Like, I I genuinely found the Babadook creepy. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. He, awesome the, design. The, Yes, awesome design, imagery and stuff was good, but I just, I I don't know, overall, I didn't, I couldn't get into it, I didn't like it. We'll, we'll circle back and, to okay. the phone problem. Yes, I'm going to cut in real quick, because I found the, the article real quick. Um, this is from a uh, critic, uh, a horror critic, and I am quoting him. The phrase, elevated horror is utter nonsense that does more harm than good for the horror genre and sets a grim outlook for the other genres that could fall victim to similar phrases. Directors, writers, and moviegoers should come together to help elevate the horror genre instead of sending it to the gallows by alienating its core audience. And anyone who says elevated horror is essentially telling you, look, I'm above this genre, but this particular example of it actually meets my rigorous demands of arts, so I have to pretend that it is somehow not related to the other kinds of films that fall into the same category. There's good, bad, smart, and stupid, effective, and inept, but elevated? No thanks. Yep, and there, there it is right there. We'll go to that. And I think that's kind of the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of horror fans have is when you say elevated horror, it implies this is better than your schlocky schlock. When I hear someone say or imply that a new movie coming out is going to be an elevated horror, or I immediately get the sense of, oh, I'm going to go in feeling like this movie is better than me somehow sort of thing, you know? Cause, yeah. Because... I don't know. I don't know if when I went into Midsummer knowing that it was an elevated horror. I think you saw the A24 label. Um, well, I don't know if you'd begin to associate A24 with, oh, okay, this is a coin see, flip. See, now, Midsummer. I know that you're trying to keep things on track and stuff, but I'm kind of jumbled, and I'm so sorry. It's but, a Slagathor episode. <laughs> there is no format. But Midsummer, I enjoyed. I felt like it dragged because... Yes, there's a lot of story and stuff going on there, and there was subcontext. And I mean, you guys subtext. know, subtext. Well, you know, <laughs> subcontext yes. is a term. Yes, well, I made it, and you guys know I don't really do content. Subtext. Subtext. <laughs> I can't fucking speak. But you know, I still get subtext. There yes. we go. <laughs> I had a major brain fart. But I don't like having to look for it. Like I don't, and there's a but there's a difference between. Knowing that it is there for me, knowing that it is there, and knowing that I can still enjoy the movie without having to know what the subtext is, yep. and being able to watch the movie without going, "Fuck, I gotta, you know, dig into every nook and cranny," because you know I might miss something important that I might not fucking get. Uh huh. No, you're very much hitting the nail on the head, and I don't think this is a problem. This is a problem and isn't a problem with quote-unquote elevated horror in that the best stuff, in my opinion, it still works as an effective horror movie because I think we agreed a horror movie is a good story. Yes. Like, at its very base, it is you want, you are engaged in this story. Oh, it's, yeah. There's a mystery element to it, typically. Or there's something to get you through the other side. And where a lot of these ones kind of go off the rails for me and go off the rails for you is they get so caught up in, look at my filmmaking. Look at these shots I'm establishing. Look at this. And they get kind of lost. It's like, this is all great 
meat and potatoes film stuff, but you're losing the thread, you know? Yeah. Like, you are so caught up in the metaphor of it all that you have lost the thread. And I think the witch falls into that. It's like, this is so caught up in what does everyone represent? What does everyone mean? What is all going on that it kind of loses the thread of there's this family that's being torn apart by paranoia? And I argue The Shining still scares the hell out of me, but there is a lot of that in there, too, that's just Kubrick being Kubrick. I know, but the difference is you can enjoy it. Yes. Without having to search for the subcontext. Because I wasn't even trying. Like, I didn't know what elevated horror was when we watched The Witch. This was a brand new film to me. I thought it was completely different based yeah. off of the the trailers and stuff. And I I didn't know what elevated horror was. I honestly I didn't. Don't think the but coin... watching it, I was so fucking confused because... All of a sudden, things were happening that it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you getting naked in the middle of the fucking woods with these other people? It, start, like, it, gets, where? it starts getting weird for the sake of being weird. Not for the sake of being weird, but for its grander story. And I don't think Elevated Horribly comes around until we get to um, Hereditary, which we've talked about is a good movie, but mm-hmm. not necessarily a great horror movie. Yes. And a lot of people want to chart that up like, oh, that's such that's one of the classics of the time. Like, I don't think I don't think it it's a is. classic at all. See, because okay. you can't the story is good, but it's not a full th- it doesn't work without understanding all of the extra stuff it's trying to tell you. Yes. See, like I enjoyed the movie up until kind of really towards the end where it was getting confusing to me and I didn't understand everything that was going on after the sister's death and all of a sudden the people in the house or something like that you know that that whole ending thing i didn't understand it because well to me and i know other people are like well you know they explained it and stuff you know there was all sorts of stuff they didn't but there was i know and i know that there's people out there who will be able to pick up on things better than other people yes but i like to kind of just go mindless and enjoy movies when i first fucking watch them it needs to work at a base level and let's let's talk about another like a recent example that i think is really good that you know would be considered elevated horror but is also an incredible horror movie and that is the night house oh yeah that was on hbo Currently. Guys, just to let you know, great, great movie. That works so well as a straight-up horror movie Yes, in that she is being haunted by a ghost. Yes, but as I have just fucking said, it is one of those movies that you can sit there and enjoy without trying too hard because while it is sub- subtle in its context or... what Subtext. Subtext, whatever. You still get the basics of what is going on in the background. Well, it works as a ghost story first and foremost. Like, yes. this is a ghost story. Yes. This is what's going on. And then it also says, but we also have another message here that kind of annoys it. Because that's horror. All, not all horror, but a lot of horror is here is the front end message. Mm-hmm. And then underneath, there's some other stuff we're saying and we see, can't And say. I liked it. And we're not going to spoil anything because this is a good movie. I definitely recommend you guys watch it like go watch it on hbo if you can it's really good um so i'm not gonna spoil anything but towards like the end after we climax and stuff all that new stuff coming out with all the new players and the things that she was seeing and stuff like it was confusing but it wasn't confusing that it 
kicked you out of it. it yeah. It really sucked you in even more and made you go, what the hell is going on? And that's like, we'll jump back to the Babadook mm-hmm. and why that one doesn't fully work for me is the Babadook has to be a big supernatural creature, but he also has to be the representation of her grief and trauma. And those both have to be literal things to the movie, mm-hmm. and that's where it's like, this doesn't connect. See, I can't really say a lot about the Babadook because I have honestly forgotten a lot about the Babadook because it was confusing to me. I didn't get it. I... Like, I went in and I watched it as just a regular horror movie and stuff, and it was very much, okay, this is okay as a horror, and then you and a bunch of other people were like, oh, all about her grief, and all about this, and this, and this, and I'm just sitting here going, I didn't see any of that, I didn't get any of that, and to me, knowing that doesn't make the movie any better for me. Yeah, no, and that's fair, and like I said, that's my problem my main problem with the Babadook is it works as a horror movie up until the point because the whole thing is you know the story is her husband died and she had you know covered from the grief and it was about how grief you know kind of haunts you and hangs over you and if you internalize this grief it twists you and makes you into a monster which is why she had that horrible re- the relationship was getting worse and more with her son and there was the whole I don't remember a single thing there was all that but again at the end you know and she has to live with the Babadook because there's no getting rid of it like, there's no really getting rid of grief. See, I didn't know she was fucking living with it either. That's the end. She has to feed it bugs, and it lives in the basement. See, I was confused by that shit. And that's what I mean. Is That's where it kind of... And I know, guys. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> you, you have... We went over this. People go to horror for different things. We have different, you know, things. But that's where it doesn't jive, is it's like, okay, it wants to have the Babadook be this menacing, ghostly figure that comes to your house. Mm-hmm. But it also wants it to be this physical manifestation of her grief. And it's like, cool... That works outside the movie, but I think to the movies, like, these two things do not combine. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, like, a lot of those issues with elevator horror doesn't work. Like, I think, like, my favorite and your most hated, It Follows, I love. Because that is a such great tension-driven It is horror. not. There's nothing tension-driven about it. It is lame and it is boring and there's no tension, there's no stress, there's no suspense. It's just... I don't know how you can say there's no suspense to a movie that's all about someone in the back. There was nothing there! There was something there. That's the thing. (laughs) Is there are so many times that that person walking towards the camera is the creature. Oh no! And if it gets them, it's going to kill them. That is the most basic... Just fuck off with somebody else and you're safe. Good lord. But Like, that was the stupidest concept. Everything about it is so stupid. I hate it. I don't want to talk about it because it's going to be an episode on my show. Watch it. I think the problem where you run into, and a lot of people run into, and this is kind of the problem we circle back to, is when it ends, there's never an explanation for what it was. Mm-mm. And you're missing that basic closure. And I know that there are people out there that enjoy that. It's yes. like an open-ended thing. But if we're talking about horror as its most basic element, is this we is a story. We always get an ending. This is a yes. story. We need an ending. Yes. It needs to have a capstone. And you can argue, well, it does because they, you know, there's the implication of, well, you know, they just send it off after a thousand different people. That's not really an ending. It didn't explain what happened. And... It didn't close the narrative loop. And at its core, that is what horse. And I want to talk about another one that you and I kind of differ on. And that is Jordan Peele's new stuff with uh, Get Out mm-hmm. and Us. That kind of strides the line of being elevated whore, but not elevated whore. 
because it's I don't know if it's not elevated horror because it really doesn't have as much it doesn't play has the heavy pretense of it as much as this is my story but it kind of does like and here's a thousand and one other subtextual stuff that I'm going to throw in because I want to see yeah I'm kind of torn on that too because to me it's not elevated horror but when you look at what he puts in it and how he puts there is it together, so much subtext it's very there. it's very much elevated horror but he does it in the right way I feel at least to me he closes the narrative loop. that I think is the big thing yeah is it and it closes in a satisfying way oh speaking of I'm excited for his new movie uh, I can't wait for the nope. aliens nope that's or just the, that's just the, <laughs> that's just the best title yep yeah or Candyman which is you love. I, I, I do love... I love the originals. You love the original? Did you like the pseudo-sequel? Not too much. See, that's an interesting one. I kind of bounce off the originals like, there is so much going on here, I I don't fully understand what yes. all it's trying to say. And you love that one. And I feel like that's the most deep metaphorical... I know. And I don't get any of the shit going in there except for what I've heard about on the internet. And even then, it's like, okay, I get that. And then when I go back and watch it, I enjoy it more because I know that. But I felt like they went into the new one trying to one-up the original and just make it a bit more. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot and of... There was only a couple scenes I truly enjoyed. Other than that, I thought it was very mediocre. I don't think it was mediocre, but it's. I don't want to. I don't even want to say it's lacking the closed loop, but it is definitely kind of under the pressure of the original Candyman works as a horror movie, but it also works as so much more, Mm -hmm. and you need to balance those two. So that's I don't think. But let's circle back to why we don't like the idea of elevated horror. Why elevated horror kind of getting this pushback from the horror community. And it basically comes down to when you say elevated or when, you know, this is the critic approved horror. Snooty. Yes. It very much cares an air of this segment of horror is better than the rest of it because it's very clean. It's very sanitized. It is divorced of horror's roots which has always been a middle finger to the rest of it which yes. is why horror has always been uh it, it's very queer like a lot of yes. people will tell you that horror is because it is 100 percent. it flies in the face of and to convention me, to me all i have to say is that yes it tries to be better than standard regular conventional horror I to don't... me quote stop to me that means you don't get to call yourself horror I... Because if you're trying to be better and something bigger than horror, to me personally as a horror lover and horror fan, I don't fucking want you to even call yourself horror because the movies that I have watched, they're not horror at all. They're more mindfuck suspense type shit. Yeah, and I feel like that is an unfair thing that gets put on this genre, not of itself. It didn't choose to call itself elevated horror. It was just like, hey, I want to play in this sandbox too, and here's my bag of tricks. And that would have been nice if that was it. I don't think the directors that are making this are calling themselves elevated horror. I think, and like you read the article. No, it's the fans and critics. I don't I, even know I, if it's when, the fans, no, I think no, it's the when, critics. When I read the Google, the Google. That's what it said. It said fans and critics have dubbed this subgenre as elevated horror. Yeah, and there's and again, we'll put I don't know how big a minority or majority of the fans are in that one. But no, and I don't know 
what you call it because horror is such a fun genre like we talked about there are dozens of genres and subgenres horror isn't really a genre as much as it is a sausage of everything else it's a Heinz 57 yes and that's where I think and that's the the biggest mistake of calling elevated horror is it immediately sets it apart because it feels like it doesn't want to be in the same no grouping as everybody else no and that's an unfair thing to the genre because we do get some really cool stuff like the Invisible Man kind of flirts with yes. that, and one of the other like the cool innovations we're seeing with this as a genre is it asks itself how can I be as clean as possible, but also be as creepy as possible, uh-huh. and like it goes as far from the schlocky roots of horror with the you know uh, caro syrup and food coloring as possible. So like, and how can I deeply unsettle you? Yeah, because the Night House very bloodless, very clean. Yes. But some of just this omnipresent it, dread. It had the greatest visuals, guys. Greatest practical visuals that they used. Like, I, I get goosebumps talking about it because it was so good. I have not enjoyed a horror movie like that in a long... In, not a long time, but a while, honestly. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing. And that's, I think... I don't blame it as a genre. And I don't... And it's it's weird. We treat genre fair in general mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. There is this whole sense of drama is the only true form of artistic expression through film. Uh, yeah. Look, it, it boils down to our Oscars and our award shows. Yeah, okay. Serious, rooted human conflict is the only true form of this that's worth any form of analysis. Anything outside that is popcorn flicks. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of these movies kind of get malaligned. They're like, well, I want to tell this story, but I want to do kind of a weird twist. And it's not the first time. We've been doing weird art out there horror for a while. Some of the biggest representatives of the genre, you know, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, The Exorcist. You know, I still have to watch Rosemary's Baby. I know we've had it saved on like our streaming services and stuff. And I know that we've honestly started it once or twice, but I have never actually I watched the movie. I don't know if you would like it. See, that's what you would think. But see, well, here the, the Rosemary's—it's just—it's such of its time. I know, but that's why I want to watch it because you know it is kind of a classic, and I want to—I love watching what people consider classics and stuff. And even if I don't enjoy it, at least I can say I watched it. Yeah. And I can form my own opinions about it. All I know is that it's in Spanish. That's not, it's not in Spanish. Isn't it in Spanish? No. Which one did we watch? The Orphanage? Yeah. The Orphanage is in Spanish. Sorry. How did you? I don't know. <laughs> I have so many questions now. Do I remember the Orphanage? I think so. We've watched it a couple times. I know we have. The Orphanage is good. Uh, see, I, I get the feeling that I like it. That's the one about the kid who goes missing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the big twist ending. With a twist. One of Guillermo del Toro's early producer back when. That one's really, really good. Yeah. Okay. No, Rosemary's Baby is like a whole other thing. I know. Okay. But no, those <laughs> would technically now be called elevated whore because... They're, they are. They're big, splashy directors. They're dealing with bigger ideals. I mean, The Shining is hailed as a horror classic. And it again, that's where kind of Kubrick loses the thread a lot, is he goes off to Kubrick land and does incredible shots, but he also wants to talk about so much stuff, which is why there's so many 
theories about what's really going on mm-hmm. in this movie. But then the other time, you know, we have, I don't think anyone's going to argue that Poltergeist is one of the best horror movies of all time. Like, you're making a top 100, you got to put Poltergeist in there. It's in there, but it would be in the 50 to 100s for me. Whatever, I'm saying <laughs> that it can fall wherever, but it gets to be kind of schlocky, and it gets to be kind of weird, but it also gets the Spielberg brand of approval. And that's where this all kind of comes in. It was how we treat genre films as a whole. Of It's not true art unless it fits this... It does these things. Yeah. Like, it tries to set itself right. And I don't think anyone that's making these movies, that's not what they want to do. They want to tell an interesting, unique story. But our weird way how we judge film and how we, you know, critics view film and genre film is it has to be within these parameters, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, I we, we've talked about this before. I don't know if we talk about it on air. But you and I like different types of horror. You yes. love schlock. You love the B-movie double feature drive-in with the commentary. I and... can enjoy myself. I like to be able to watch people die brutally while going, oh, that bitch was so stupid. Yeah, no, you love <laughs> And throw that. popcorn at my face. But you also love J-horror. I love J-horror, but I also love horror that... Is just straight up brutal murder. Yeah. Like I am okay. You love Grindhouse. You're a little bit of Grindhouse. I I love I so and but the one that still always will get me is the one that has that almost dreadful suspense. But you don't like it follows. Because it's not suspenseful. It is suspenseful. No, it's not. It's so boring. Oh no, there's a naked person outside. Oh no. They're not always naked. Oh no, I better walk at a brisk pace. Oh no. No, you are very <laughs> much a horror buffet person. Like, you love all of it. But that's not the other thing I think we're kind of seeing, which is interesting, is elevated horror is only this thing because it's the newest, it's the new kid in the class. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, but, and it's gotten saddled with the unfortunate name of elevated. Like, it's above the rest of it. Because J-Horror didn't get treated that way because it was new and exotic and interesting. Like, this is doing... And tons of blood and gore. It was very much, here's your horror. No, J-Horror is qualified by not having lots of blood and gore. Depending on what you watch. J-Horror's tradition... You watch the popular ones, like Juwan and all that shit. Not, no blood, but... I've watched plenty of J-horror. I'm not where... saying as a genre it's bloodless, but I'm saying as a genre it's typically defined yes, 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 by yes. a lack of gore, by a lack of score, and by very simple basic visuals, which is totally, you know, it's different than a lot of traditional Western horror. But it kind of got to, you know, do because it's like, hey, this is a new whole thing. And I think where we're having with, I, I wish there was a better name for it than elevated whore. I mean, we thought peace whore, but that also kind of implies, yeah, there's, we need a better name for it, is what I'm saying, guys. But it's kind of coming in, it's like, hey guys, what if, you know, we flipped the script? What if we put, you know, the message first, and then we backed it up with cool visuals instead of, you know, cool visuals lead the way, but hey, maybe, you know, Freddy 2, uh, Nightmare 2 is about the AIDS crisis in the 80s. I'm telling you, you need to watch that. I have watched it many times. And you still don't see any of the subtext. They go to a leather bar, and the man is beat to death with towels in a men's locker room with his bare ass. 
You don't think anything else is going on I there? I think y'all are gay for seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> we, I need to track down just whoever's doing. If you, if you run a queer horror fest in the Pacific Northwest, let me know. Slagatha would love to attend that. Yes. And you, someone can walk her through just all of the not subtext that is. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I know it's there. I choose not to acknowledge it. Why? Because it makes my precious Nightmare movies weird. They've always been I weird. know, but that makes it weirder. Why are you opposed to being any form of gay? I'm not, but everybody's like, oh, it's so gay. Oh, it's so gay. It's so it's, gay. No, just let me enjoy watching the people die. It's a sad That's all I want to do. All I want to do is watch people die. I don't want to sit there and go, oh, no, his cute little pale cheeks are getting slapped. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I want to make this clear because I don't want anyone to think you are homophobic or have any issues with the community. Did you say hobo? Yeah. <laughs> you, you might be homophobic. No, I'm not. Don't say that. You're not God afraid damn. of hobos? No. Okay, I am. Jeez. Oh, what do they keep in their bindles? Guys, I am gay. I'm very much on the queer spectrum. I'm not phobic of anything, okay? But what I'm saying is you very much, you like to know what you're in for. You yes. hate it when I surprise you with a movie. Yes. So I think the issue here is nightmare is nightmare. It is a very direct thing. Nightmare cannot also be about... That's what I said. Let me just enjoy my killings. Like, if we sat you down for, oh, what's what's a good overtly gay horror movie? I don't know. But, like, if it was Drag Queen Murder Spree, you would be like, okay, I know what I'm in for. Yes. I know what to and expect. And I'd go get some nice nails done so I can just sit there and go, yes, bitch, get him. Yes. Like, so come on. You, you, you need to know. But, like, if it's... Brutal skull fuckery murder, and it's 20 minutes of a guy sitting in a room talking with another guy in a room about all oh, the creatures out there. You're like, when do we get to this brutal skull fucking murdery? Your title was this, yes. and this is what I expect. Yes. It's like telling me Sasquatch is outside and he's not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really sure where the central thing is, except that elevated. There's nothing wrong with elevated horror. I think the community wants to accept it. I think the idea of the community loves getting more. I just think we are getting a duel of, it's a terrible name, mm-hmm. foisted on it by people that want to think horror needs to be more, that, that horror mm-hmm. has to be more than, it has to be this one thing, if it is worthy of discussion. And that is, it's, it's, it's part of a bigger problem with how we discuss genre and how we treat anything outside. Because some of the smartest movies have always been horror. They are always the ones that are telling these other stories. And they've always been about other things. Like from the very beginning, it's let's tell other stories than just the basic stuff. (laughs) I agree. Do you have any closing thoughts, Slagathor? No. Well, this one ended up being a bit on the light side, which kind of goes with Slagathor because we don't know how long they're going to run. Yeah. Do you have anything in particular you want to promote? I know Geeks Who Haunt is technically on the off-season. Yes. And that will come, and as you guys know, or even if you're new, that usually comes around the end of September time, specifically for, you know, the spooky season and stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. But I'll try and be good this year. 
last last season was a little hard for me because I was interviewing new people and trying to kind of branch out and stuff. So I'm hoping that I won't be so awkward this season, guys. So just kind of bear with me and stuff. Here's a fun one we didn't talk about that kind of relates to this, which is Malignant, which is the dumbest, schlockiest, 90-est, direct-to-videoist horror movie to come out in ever that is shot so incredibly well and so seriously that it it, it, it it's this fun little merging of the genres because everyone I know loves this movie. I think we're kind of like, that was fun, mm-hmm. but, but... we wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, I know. We're not those people like, okay, cool. The, the, it was fun that first time. It was a cool trick. But I still love it because it is just shot like James Wan can shoot movies. He's a master cinematographer. But it's also just this, there's a, we're going to do a spoiler for it, parasitic twin Mm -hmm. subplot. It's been out long enough we can spoil. Running around backwards and this is like, this is the kind of stuff you would pick up. The ending scene fight with the twin is so fucking cool. Yeah. And And so well done. I don't know, this is this fun... I don't want to say merging of the genres, but it's a great example of horror really cannot be defined. No. Because anytime you try, it's like, I'm going to do something weird. Yes. And that's the best part of it. So yeah, that's everything I think we have to say on this contentious topic. So uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Share this with all your horror friends. Let's really get discussion. Let's do some brainstorming and figure out what we can call elevated horse so it's not the dorky kid in the lunchroom that's getting picked on by everybody else. I don't know. I'm still at the point I'm right. I'm I'm still okay with picking on it. <laughs> or I'm just completely ignoring it. I'm not. Maybe we just stop calling it elevated horror. Like we just, I don't know what genre. We'll just lump it in that weird genre of movies we can't really define. Like The Purge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see The Purge is, it's uh, like, a, it's satire. Satire horror? Satirical horror? Black comedy? It's not a black comedy. It, well, I mean, it's not as it's not that funny. No, it's not. It, it get, anymore, it's like, oh, this is a sad roadmap. Yeah, no, the latest one when they just said, fuck it, we're done. You yep. can get the message. Yep. All right. Anyways, bringing it back around. You lovely people out there can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Pocket Cast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and FiresideAlliance.com. If you'd really like to help the podcast grow, you can now rate us on Spotify. And it better be a five-star, bitches. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And the other ever-elusive Slagathor. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always... I love you.